When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Come to you too, Rona. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals capusta, funky, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Yak Shamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And make sure you guys check out B5Q this week. Tons of content, how the Badgers can exercise those demons out of uh, Evanston. Uh, we we uh, Nice uh, article by John about uh, a little tongue-in-cheek about possible curses down at Ryan Field since they haven't won in, in the past 17 years. Uh, we have some breakdowns. Look for an article later this week uh, before the game of, about uh, running back Bradrick Shaw, um, putting that together this week and, and so much more. Uh, and uh, I'm Jay Kokorowski. We've got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski here. And we have, uh, I wish I had some Italian music to talk about the godfather of B5Q returning yet again to the podcast. Uh, we have Adam Hogue from WGN. Uh, Chicago Bears insider. He's been up at crazy hours, uh, especially with the World Series. Uh, also, the sideline reporter for Northwestern football. Adam, how you doing? And and how much? How many hours of sleep have you gotten in the past twenty four hours? Last twenty four hours. Uh, I mean, really, actually, going probably about thirty six hours. It's been probably four hours of sleep. I think. But uh, that's Woo. what happens when the Cubs win the World Series. You got to go all in, and uh, and sleep <laughs> doesn't really matter because you 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 know you you have plenty of time. You have all off season to to sleep at this point. Adam, you know a little bit of disclosure on my point on my part. Not because I'm a homer and I'm anti Cub, because I'm I'm not. But I think part of me likes to see extended misery. So there was a part of me 
that was happy when Davis hits the three-run homer just because I sometimes get a little joy out of other people's misery. But then after the Cubs won, I'm like, you know what, this is a great story because I don't think ever from now until baseball ends will there ever be a bigger story than this because I can't imagine it would be a longer drought than this or at least in a city as, as prominent as Chicago with a, with a franchise as old as the Cubs. To, to finally see them win, I think, was amazing. Like I said, I don't think I, I think this will be unparalleled. I don't think we'll ever see a time where we're like, wow, this is amazing. People have waited generations upon generations to see something like this. Yeah, I mean, that, and it's 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 crazy. I mean, I'm a Sox fan, a White Sox fan, so I, I kind of can relate to, to to some of your emotions watching. Uh, the, the Cubs are at the playoffs, but I've, I've been I've been rooting for them because I just have so many people in my life that um, and the generations that you're talking about. I mean, a lot of my, a lot of my family up in Wisconsin are Cubs fans, and um, just knowing what this all means to them and how much it would mean for them to win the World Series, I was all in on on the Cubs winning this thing, and. Um, and also, you know, just being on WGN Radio, which was the home to the Cubs for so long, um, you just you have a, a pretty intimate sense of, of how much uh, this means to our listeners. So to be doing the, the Cubs postgame shows throughout the playoffs, it's been pretty special. And, man, for it to come all together the way it did, to have, uh, you know, when, when he hits that two-run homer, you're going – Come on. I mean, maybe there, maybe there really is a curse because this doesn't make any sense. I mean, how could they not close this thing out here? Um, but they ended up doing it. And that, for it to be arguably the best World Series of all time, maybe the best Game 7 of all time, maybe the best World Series game of all time, and certainly when you could throw in the historical perspective, that's all on the table. Sure, and Adam, I think one last point about it. I, I love how the narrative changed throughout the game. First it was, hey, the, the Cubs finally figured out Kluber. Then it was, oh, boy, Madden's pulling his pitches a little early. Well, it doesn't matter because Lester's sharp. Oh, it looks like they shouldn't have used Chapman in game six to, oh, my gosh, now it's tied to the the rain delay, then the, the adulation at the end. Like, it, you're right. I think from a game seven, from a story standpoint, I, I think it is the greatest of all time because it just changed. There were so many twists and turns. I think the only thing that would have made this World Series a little bit better, nothing against Pat Hughes. I love the guy. I think he should be the Brewers play-by-play guy, he should have replaced Euchre years ago, but whatever, um, is that I think the game should have been on WGN and Harry Carey should have been alive to see it. But unfortunately, neither one of those things happened, but still doesn't spoil the moment that much for me. No, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those those sentiments. I think whether it's we're talking about Harry Carey or, or Ron Santo, and uh, we had the chance to talk to, to Ron's uh, son, Jeff, the first thing we did on our show last night. Uh, so that was pretty special. Uh, an emotional moment for him. There's just, I mean, from Harry Carey to Ron Santo to, you know, all the, the family members that everyone has that, that, you know, didn't make it and never saw uh, what happened there last night. I mean, there's just, you know, I think every championship for every sports fan is emotional. I mean, I went through it in 2005 um, and, and we'll always remember it. And, you know, some of the greatest moments that, that I've had in my life going to game two of the World Series with my dad. But just looking at it even from an outsider's perspective, you have to appreciate what this means to Cubs fans everywhere, uh, just on an individual level and trying to tap into the emotions last night of Cubs fans. It was pretty cool. 
We're here with Adam Hogue from WGN, Chicago Bears insider, also Northwestern sideline reporter here on Bucky's fifth quarter. And Adam, kind of like it's it's kind of crazy just to see uh, the past you know week for football with Bears, Vikings, and then Northwestern taking Ohio State. Uh, you know four quarters. I was watching the game in, in the press box in Camp Randall uh, and how close that was. Uh, kind of turning our attention to Northwestern, and, and it, obviously we, we referenced it, the, the quote-unquote curse, we, the fact that Wisconsin hasn't won at Ryan Field since 1999. Uh, what have you seen You know, with Northwestern? They started off, what, one and three, ha- have come back and, and won three of their last four, and, and also just the fact that uh, they're play- it seems like they're playing better. What's been kind of the – the improvements that you've seen from covering the team from the beginning of the season until now? Well, the most obvious difference is what they're doing at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, That was a huge problem uh, in the first month of the season, especially on the offensive line. It was baffling to see how much they were struggling on the offensive line with four starters returning. Um, And it, it didn't really make sense. I mean, to get pushed around by Illinois state, uh, and it was it was weird because they lose that game to Illinois State, and I'm still going, man, Clayton Thorson looks better. Justin Jackson looks just as good as he has been. Um, the wide receivers look, look better than they were a year ago, and this was a team that won 10 games. So you, you, all the skill positions look better. How are they lose? How are they only scoring seven points against Illinois State? And it was just the offensive line was playing that poorly. Um, so once they turned that around, and that really started um, a little bit against Duke when they won that game, uh, but they didn't play so well against Nebraska, and really it was in Iowa, uh, the trip they took to Iowa City um, to, to start off October. And that, that was really the turning point where the offense took off, and they continued that in East Lansing. Um, and even against a really good Ohio State team last week, they were moving the ball pretty effectively. Um, some drives stalled out here and there and, and once again it kind of went back to the offensive line having a bad series here or there but they've been able to turn around offensively mainly because the offensive line uh, is playing so much better and, so, and you know, oh go ahead Scotty sorry um, it's it's one of those weird uncanny things though with this with this matchup with these two teams because you know, it reminds me of in basketball when Wisconsin couldn't win at Purdue, but the difference was Purdue was a, a prominent team in the Big Ten, and the Badgers at that time, basketball-wise, weren't very good. Here you have a team in Wisconsin who's had success for the last 25 years. Northwestern's had some good years, but it just seems that Wisconsin can't figure out how to win down in Evanston, and I wonder how much of that, because you can look at the matchups on both sides, and everybody always tells you don't worry about history, don't worry about the numbers, but at some point, history has to play a point in it, uh, part in it when you hear people say, well, you can't win there. This team never wins there. I mean, it almost feels like Northwestern has this, this advantage, this home field advantage that the Badgers can't seem to break through. And this year, I, I told Jake last week, Nebraska didn't scare me, although they did give the Badgers a scare. I said the remaining game on the schedule that scares me is Northwestern. It's the game I think they have the greatest chance of losing through the rest of the regular season. And I, I still I don't feel any better about this matchup a week later. Well, we're on the same page there. I saw um, Tom Oates, a Wisconsin State Journal columnist in, at Lambeau when the Bears played the Packers, and we talked for kind of a while about Wisconsin and Northwestern. And 
Um, you know, I told him right. I told him the same thing. You know, I think they're gonna handle handle Nebraska, and uh, the, the game I would be worried about is is at Northwestern. What's interesting about the history in this series, and what was was really baffling about all the losses Wisconsin's had in Evanston, is that when they were going back to Camp Randall, Wisconsin was blowing out, blowing Northwestern out by like thirty forty points. I mean, I was at, I I was covering Wisconsin. What was that? Uh, the seventy to ten game or whatever that is, that was the, the final score. I mean, that was uh, one of the most lopsided games I've ever seen in person. Um, so that's that's what was so weird about then they come back to Evanston and they lose. Now, what's different now when you saw last year when Northwestern went into Camp Randall and won. Um, you know, this this is a, a pretty good team. This is a pretty good program, and they're they're tougher up front, and they match up better in that area uh, against Wisconsin. I think that was sort of always the problem when they would go up to Madison was just Wisconsin's offensive line would just overpower uh, Northwestern, and it, and it was just too much of a, a struggle for the Cats. And obviously, we've seen some some more struggles on Wisconsin's offensive line in the last few years, and kind of a, the remnants of, of what Gary Anderson did the program. Um, but this was, but at the same time, Northwestern has gotten tougher up front. They set a whole bunch of weight room records this off season. Um, and that was one thing that uh, Patrick Joe was raving about coming into the season. And again, that gets back to what I was just talking about how poorly the cast off and the line played in the first month of the season. That's what, again, made no sense because they're supposed to be stronger. Um, so I think just in that sense they match up better now uh, and I guess that's kind of a scary thought for the Badgers because uh, maybe in the past you, you looked at these matchups and you said man you should definitely be beating Northwestern on the road and those are really be considered upsets I mean this this game Saturday I think we could all agree it would not be surprising at all to see Northwestern win Oh, absolutely, and that's and that's a you know you you look at the just who's on the off uh, you know on the offense for Northwestern, and it's uh, you're looking at you know Clayton Thorson, who's you know what, third in the Big Ten in what passing yards and touchdown passes. Justin Jackson's only what 132 yards away from his third straight 1,000 yard season, and he's gashed Wisconsin pretty well uh, in the running game there. And then you know right you know walk-ons. Uh, you look at you know Austin Carr. Uh, who's what leading the Big Ten and receiving in a bunch of different categories? Uh, you know, with with that, how you know how is the emergence of, of Carr and, and and what have you seen out of uh, guys like Jackson and, and Thorson develop over the years? Yeah, well, I mean, Justin Jackson's been pretty established, um, but it was sort of a one man show, right? Especially last year, um, and you know that that game in Wisconsin kind of showed that much Clayton Thorson um is really really developing I mean he has made some incredible throws I think he is the the top NFL draft quarterback prospect in the Big Ten right now wow um and 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 I and what's crazy about that is he's flying so far under the radar I went and looked at some you know some of those draft boards you can find online that list prospect I mean he's nowhere to be found he's not even listed and and that's because I think coming into the season, no one really you know thought was thinking that much about Clayton Thorson yet. I'm telling you, man, he's got the size, he's got the arm strength, um, he he's he's really got all the intangibles that uh, scouts look for 
and and we've seen more and more scouts show up to Northwestern games recently, and, and a lot of times you just assume they're looking at Anthony Walker, the middle linebacker. Um, but, you know, I think more and more Clayton Thorson's catching their eye. And, and he's going to – it might take another year from now um, before nationally he kind of gets the recognition I think he deserves. Um, but he's really, really coming on as a good quarterback. Uh, as for Austin Carr, you know, he doesn't scare you from a size standpoint but no one seems to be able to cover him. I couldn't believe that Iowa didn't have Desmond King shadow him the entire game. Uh, I, if I was Wisconsin, I would use some two-man concepts with the safety over the top um, to, because he just finds the open spots and zones. And, um, and, and I think it kinda, it, it's weird to double somebody that's that small, but, and maybe that's why teams don't do it. But he's, he's really – more than anything, he just catches everything. And, you know, he's just one of those receivers that – you put the ball near him, uh, if he's got any kind of chance to catch the ball, he, he has just hands that are like glue. Uh, and it's that combination of Thorson and Austin Carr has been pretty fun to watch this season. Now, Adam, at the risk of kind of restoking a tired debate, uh, the conference as a whole, you know, we always talk about the Big Ten versus SEC, Big Ten versus Big 12 or Pac-10. or But in this case, this year, you know, with – Nebraska being, uh, I think, a very solid team, maybe slightly overrated, but solid. And Penn State seemingly finally getting over the hump from all the scandal and looking like they're on their way back. And it's hard to believe that it's almost been a decade that Ohio State and Michigan have been as dominant as they are together. And, and that always helps the conference. And you got Wisconsin. And you got Iowa. I, I, I feel, and, and again, I'm trying to not be a regional homer because I grew, I grew up in Big Ten country, but I feel the conference is as strong as it's been in, in any memory that I have, at least the last 20 years. And maybe, again, I'm overhyping it. I still don't think they're you know, top to bottom as good as the SEC, but I think the conference seems to be rebounding, and I think it's just that recruiting of skilled players throughout the conference seems to have gotten better over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think those are fair points. Um, you know, I I look back to about ten years ago when when you had Michigan and Ohio State one and two, and and that you know Big Ten kind of got the props for being the best conference. Um, but you know, the depth in the conference probably wasn't as strong um, to even have you know a program like Northwestern that's that's you know pretty solid and a tough out every single week, and um, it's. It's it you know the the way you just spelled it out it is pretty impressive because I I think there are a lot of um, really good teams in the middle of the pack um, that maybe aren't top tier um, and and you know Michigan State's having a, a down year but I still think what Mark D'Antonio's done there they're they're a pretty strong program uh, I I don't think Wisconsin even gets enough attention for how consistently good they are. Uh, every single season, and you know, since since I'm on here to talk about Northwestern, I mean, I don't know how many people realize that this is a program that has beaten Stanford, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan State. Uh, Iowa and Michigan State were the two representatives in the Big Ten championship game last year. They've beaten all those schools in the last two years, and four of those games were on the road. And you almost threw in Ohio State in that mix last week too, so they're um, they're flying under the radar too. There's a lot of teams like that I think uh, in the Big Ten that just kind of add to the 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 overall 
depth of the conference. Even like Indiana, which is 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 kind of coming on a little bit strong, at least you know is respect respectable. There's there's only um, you know the, Purdue is is kind of bringing down the back end in, in Illinois, um, <laughs> but there's not too many programs like that. And uh, you know, Adam, real quick before we let you go, I know just uh, real quick, your keys to the game. Uh, and and do you think Wisconsin can exploit? You know, I looked at Northwestern's just their their pass defense. I know they're last in the conference. You know, almost about two seventy five a game they're giving up. Do you think that's one of the keys for Wisconsin to try to get that passing game open? Yeah, um, but I gotta say, guys, I mean, neither one of these Wisconsin quarterbacks are really all that scary. I mean, I watched uh, that Nebraska game last week, and and man, I mean, those are just some awful interceptions in the second half by both of them. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's it, and the thing about Northwestern is the stats might not look great, but they they'll turn you over. They have seven interceptions, and and if those guys make mistakes. Uh, the Cats will come up with some turnovers. I, I think the big key is how Northwestern's offensive line plays against this front seven because that's that's obviously the scary part of, of Wisconsin's team is, is uh, the pass rush and how they get after you uh, and how they play up front. And I mentioned earlier and kind of went into depth the inconsistencies of this offensive line for Northwestern. Uh, they really go as their offensive line goes. And when they block, I, I – Maybe it sounded like I was, uh, you know, praising Clayton Thorson too much, but you'll guys see on Saturday when he has time to throw the ball and he's not running for his life. Even sometimes when he is running for his life, he makes some incredible throws, and, and Austin Carr just finds a way to get open. So, um, to me, that's really what decides this game. Can Northwestern's offensive line block? If they block, it might be that simple. Um, if the front seven for Wisconsin, which is so good even without Jack Sitchie right now, um, if they if they win that battle, then Wisconsin's probably going to win the game, and and that's really where I'm kind of zeroing in on on the uh, the difference of, of this what should be a great game on Saturday. You know, Adam, I just had a horrific thought when you talked about the interceptions last week. It is a little amazing from Wisconsin's standpoint that they've had 25 years of success and only one year of a guy like Russell Wilson and a lot of mediocre quarterback plays throughout. But you're right, last week the quarterback play left a lot to be desired and. And to Jake's point, I think that could be the reason why Northwestern wins this game because I just – I'm not the, – the, the, the quarterback play for Wisconsin and the kicking game for Wisconsin are two factors that I think could come back and bite them here. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm picking Northwestern. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I feel it's going to be close and there's going to be some ugly plays on the Badgers' side that turn this game. Yeah, and Russell Wilson was a transfer, so it's not right. even like he was, <laughs> you know, brought up and recruited. It's it's kind of amazing, you know. I give, um, I give Paul Chris a ton of credit for what he did with guys like John Stocko, um, and and I mean Scott Tolzien is still in the NFL, making, you know, pulling in NFL checks every week, and I, I've always said I think like ten percent of every one of his checks should go to to Paul Chris. I mean, because <laughs> that, that guy turned sure. – Paul Chris turned Scott Tolzien in a third stringer that no one ever thought was going to win that job in, that year into uh, a two-year starter that had a lot of success and is still in the NFL. So, you know, he is a – he has a, just a great coach who can bring along quarterbacks. And I, I think Joel Stave would have been, um, you know, much better more consistent of a quarterback had Chris not left 
and, and been away for those uh, few seasons that he was. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Hornibrick's young uh, and, and kind of, to me, has the makeup of a guy that Chris can bring along. You know what? Actually, I said this a couple weeks ago. Hornibrook kind of reminds me of Clayton Thorson last year. Um, just a really raw, uh, inexperienced quarterback that's having a hard time maybe trusting his wide receivers. And um, now the difference, I think, is that Thorson's uh, tool set, arm strength, is NFL caliber. I don't, I don't know that Hornibrook has, has that kind of talent, you know, pure quarterback talent. Uh, but just in terms of how he's playing and needs experience, uh, there are some some uh, similarities there for me that I think, you know, Chris can get the most out of him maybe in the next couple of years. But, you know, I agree. It, it, for a program like that, they got to find a quarterback. It, it, they should be able to recruit better at that position. And I think all of us that have watched Wisconsin over the years uh, have been kind of wondering how the heck they can't, they can't recruit a guy to, to be, uh, you know, really good for three or four years. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and you look at that too, you know, and I know that we've gone beyond the 15 minutes I told you that we'd uh, we'd have you on, and apologies for that, Adam, but, you know, you, you mentioned the that. I, I think now that Chris is back in Madison uh, with that, I think a lot of those quarterbacks like a DJ Gillens, Austin Kefensis, that were brought in for as a Tanner McAvoy as a different type of quarterback, now you're seeing that pro-style quarterback come back. I think you'll start seeing that, especially with some of the verbals they have, uh, they, the verbal they have for the 2017 quarterback. So, I mean, and like you mentioned, though, Stavi, I think he's much more accurate if, if Chris does stay. Uh, and I, I think there's, you know, more talk that, you know, than, than Savi being the most polarizing Wisconsin player in recent memory. Right. I mean, he still set all the records, right? Uh, you know, because exactly. he's good enough to at least hold on to the job, um, um, except for when Gary Anderson tried to take it away from him for no reason. But, uh, <laughs> you know, other than that, and, and that's just a perfect example. I mean, that, that, that confidence, the struggle with confidence that he went through, I'd totally blame on Anderson in that season. And, and that's what I mean. I think if Chris was there the whole time to develop him, um, the overall, you'd look back at Stavi's career a lot a lot more differently than you than you probably do right now. Exactly. Adam, it's great having you back on, man. Keep doing the great stuff you're doing down in Chicago. Uh, let us know next time you're back up in Madison. We need to take you out for a round uh, downtown and, and actually thank you in person uh, for uh, not just starting the website, uh, Bucky's Fifth Quarter, but just hanging out. And, uh, yeah, just let us know next time you're in town. Absolutely, guys. Uh, thanks so much. Keep up the great work. I love seeing uh, the success that Bucky's Fifth Quarter still has. Uh, I still have – this is true. I had a guy at the gym down here in Chicago a couple uh, weeks ago recognize me, not from anything I do here in Chicago, uh, but, but because of Bucky's fifth quarter. Um, so that's uh, awesome. People pay <laughs> people pay attention to what you guys do. Uh, just know that, and they appreciate it. I appreciate it too. So keep the great work going. That means a lot, Adam. Appreciate it. Adam Hogue from WGN, the sideline reporter for Northwestern football. Follow him at Adam Hogue. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some audio from Sojourn Shelton from Monday discussing uh, just what he's been uh, going through and what how he's preparing for Northwestern and Austin Carr. This is Bucky's fifth quarter and the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza.
Guys, yeah, so Sojourn Shelton, senior cornerback, having a great year at you know, and, and Scotty. Before we go to the the World Series and uh, the fact that I actually watched baseball for the first time in a while, which felt good, uh, you know. But you know, the Badgers, you know, um, 
real quick shout out just in terms of not even a shout out. It's more just an observation where uh, the cornerbacks for Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, Sojin Shelton broke, you know, missed a tackle on, on one of the uh, plays that led to a Nebraska touchdown, but this, you know, Wisconsin secondary really is looking sharp uh, under the guise of, of former walk-on all American 10 year NFL veteran, Jimmy Leonard. Uh, you, you'll be able to see that too. Just, uh, you know, UW badges ta- are talking about it. Uh, various media outlets have these reports on it. Uh, it. That will be one of the key matchups is it's not just shutting down the run against Northwestern, but you know, Adam Hogue, you know, great having him on again, by the way, the, the godfather of B5Q. Uh, but also just what he's a great uh, reporter for WGN. Uh, you know, he mentioned probably putting two guys on him. Uh, and, you know, kind of, and Carr fits that mold of being a former walk, you know, walk on where you sort of like a Jared Aberderis or Alex Erickson, just not really assuming, but makes those big plays. Um, that's going to be one of the key tests. And, you know, just seeing how Wisconsin secondary has played confident all year uh, is one of the key matchups that should be fun to watch. On Saturday, and, and what was fun to watch on, you know, last night in particular, I got a chance to sit down and actually watch a game in between all the craziness. Is the uh, you know really you're looking at uh, the World Series Game Seven? I mean, outside of that rain delay, which is a bummer that killed momentum. Amazing game and back and forth. Yeah, you know, and and uh, that two run home run like you mentioned when you talked to Adam, but with Davis. Uh, which I even yelled for, uh, admittedly. Uh, you know, granted, I was rooting for the Cubs in a certain aspect because our senior pastor at our church is a huge Cubs fan, but also my great, uh, my, not my great grandma, but my grandmother in law, uh, Fern, uh, was a huge fan too uh, of the Cubs. So it was good for them. But heck, it, it's it was such a, I mean, that that's a that's a great game seven. That is, that is a game that. Uh, a lot of emotions riding high. Two franchises that haven't won a championship in, in decades. And, you know, it's a, it's a good story for baseball having the Cubs and, and such a remarkable job, you know, by Theo Epstein uh, to, to what he's done with that organization. You know, I, maybe it's just the day, the time and day and society we live in. Because um, it happened a little bit even with Boston when they won. But I am a little bit disappointed and amazed by the sense of entitlement that Cubs fans had going back to July when they, you know, when it looked like they were legit, you know, one of the best teams in baseball. It's like, okay, I, you're good now. You know, you haven't won in 108 years, but let's dial it back a little bit. And one of the things I thought was comical and amusing to me is I have a lot of friends who are Cub fans, a lot of dear friends of mine. But it was funny how just about every game, when the Cubs, if they jumped out to an early lead, there was this trash-talking post on Facebook, and then all of a sudden Cleveland would take the lead, and it would be crickets for the rest of the night. And I'm like, oh, you know, like I, I really hope for better. Right? And, and I think the thing that really, um, really kind of disappointed me from a fan base was after game four, you know how they – I don't know if you saw any of the games from Chicago, but outside of Wrigley – Pete Rose and the rest of the post-game show was out there. It was almost like a like a college game day atmosphere. And the fans were in the back, you know, and they were outside. And for years, Cubs fans used to chastise me and say, look, we care about winning. It's not just about partying at Wrigley. We care about winning, okay? So after mm-hmm. game four, they're down three games to one. And they're on the brink of elimination, and everybody on the street – 
behind the, the, the show, the, the panelists, they were partying up like they had just won a championship. And it just kind of rang to me like, okay, so you care about winning. Now, I don't know about you, Jake. I don't know what kind of fan you are, um, you know, how you wear your emotions or not. I'm not an up-and-down, over-the-top emotional guy, but if my team was down 3-1 and on the brink of elimination, the last thing I'd be doing would be waving pom-poms behind Pete Rose and Frank Thomas and Alex Rodriguez. But that's just me. You know, maybe Cub fans do it a little bit differently. I mean, well, I I think ever since we started this podcast and and we've gone down the media route like we have, I mean, my fandom's kind of calmed down significantly, especially with covering Packers and and Brewer stuff. You know, it's a – and granted, we started this podcast after the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, after 2011, after what they they did that year. um, But it's – yeah, I I mean, you know, one part, this this is a fan base that – you know, for the Cubs that, you know, been close a couple times, no cigar, uh, just a lot of their legends have, have passed on, have died. But, uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it's good to see, you know, when you see the stands at Wrigleyville, like they had those shots on social media of just like uh, of a camera there and you just see them and um, all of a sudden it's just, it's really just, it, I don't know. I, I liked it where, you know, you see the crowds erupting. So, I mean, I think either either fan base, I mean, you have Cleveland that, you know, I think it would have been a great story either way, right? Where Chicago, yeah, finally, that curse is left up. Yeah. But then Cleveland, oh, gosh, the resurrection of that city, sands the Browns, uh, who are 0-8, and, and you, you feel bad for guys like Darius Hillary, Joe Schober, yeah, Joe Thomas, yeah. especially, yeah. especially Thomas, you know, but – uh, but he, I mean, Thomas loves that city, by the way. Uh, so it's it's yeah. one of those things where, um, you know, it, it was. I think either way, uh, you know, and as journalists, they tell you uh, you root for the best story. Uh, maybe the best story was Cleveland, just to continue that is this, you know, the city of you know the sports championships for this year. Right, and and but, and, and continue the cur- the talk about is there a curse? How does the team as good as the Cubs this year? Because they are. The best team. I thought they were the best team in baseball. How do they lose the World Series? Yada yada yada. And the other thing that will always stick with me. And again, I, this has nothing to do with on the field, off the field. People have things that you know bother them and things that they like. I still can't get over how poorly the city of Chicago treated Steve Bartman. Um. The death threats and run them out of time. I can't get over that. I, I think that that in and of itself is worth 30 more years of losing. So, um, so I know it might sound silly and it might sound trivial, but you know what? I'm 44 years old. I ain't changing the things that I have 45. I should know how old I am, right? Um, I'm not changing the <laughs> things that, that bother me or that I like or that I dislike. And I, the way they treated that guy, you know what? They don't deserve to me, they still don't deserve this championship. So, anyway, yeah, that's that. No, I, I mean, if, yeah, the Bartman thing, I mean, I know they had the 30 for 30 on it. it I, I agree in the sense that the way they treated him as a scapegoat when the Cubs could have won other ways that series is another question, uh, but uh, is another another point to be made. But yeah, and it, it's one thing, too, where even watching the game, and this is me personally, like just the history of our oldest Chapman, and what he's gone through, you know, what yeah. he, not what he's gone through, but what he's done is it, like, yeah. you know, part of me, it's like, uh, you know, you feel good for the fan base that they won, but 
this is a guy that you know was domestic abuse issues, uh, didn't really apologize when he came to Chicago. So your allegiance is, in, and uh, you know, and obviously everyone, you know, just everyone sins, you know, whatnot, but he just seems so unapologetic, apologetic about it. And that's where, you know, part of me, you know, you're going for the Indians more where, you know, they're also a, an organization that's been without a, a championship for years. And then you're dealing with uh, just, you know, yeah. And you you just, you want Cleveland to do well with Believe Land and whatnot. You saw what LeBron did for the Cavaliers, the hometown kid coming back. So, I mean, I, you know, you feel good for Cubs fans in the sense of they've lifted now, what, a uh, hundred and, 108 years worth of futility uh, to lift the championship, but also uh, you're looking at the fact that with the Cubs, you know, with, with Chapman uh, and, and other things, and you know, like I said, maybe it's a little bit of homerism with the, the Brewers talk and, and obviously uh, dealing with uh, those issues every time it's Miller, you know, Wrigley Field North, uh, especially the past year or two uh, when the Cubs come up to Milwaukee, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't try to have a rooting interest in this, uh, but I think both stories would have, would have played well. Both had a little bit of faults with them too. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. So anyway, free, it, it, you know what? It's season's over. I mean, and what I mean by that is 135 players filed for free agency today. It's the off season. It's officially the off season. You know, talks will start coming out eventually signings can happen and then you have the winter meetings and trades will start. So um, now all the other teams who weren't fortunate enough to be in a world series or even in a playoff, start looking about how to improve their team. We'll talk more about it. Brewers aren't going to make a splash in free agency. They're building from within likely to trade away Braun in the off season. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that as we get there. But that said, yeah. Cubs win or not, it was still a great series. There's a great game seven it was, you know, a moment that won't be topped, like I mentioned with, to, to you and Adam. I don't think there'll be another predominant franchise in a major city like Chicago that goes 108 years without winning a championship. So, you know, I think that story played itself out and and, uh, and great, you know, good for good for everybody involved. But uh, it, it will be yeah. an interesting offseason, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. Absolutely. And joining us now, uh, it's a – uh, great talking with him because I pretty much talk with him now every day ever since we started this project uh, and uh, kind of a special talk. Uh, we are uh, I'm happy to have we're happy to have on the show uh, my my co-author Joel Nellis, uh, former Wisconsin walk-on tight end, uh, co-author of Walk On This Way, the ongoing legacy of the Wisconsin football walk-on tradition. Of course, hashtag cheap plug uh, on KCISports.com. Call one eight hundred six nine seven three seven five six uh and we got joel nellis on there and, and the reason why i have we have joel on the show tonight uh as scotty and i wanted to talk about this is obviously that there's a big uh commotion on wednesday afternoon yesterday afternoon talking about the big 10 conference starting to play games on friday night starting next year uh and that was reported by the chicago tribune first the big 10 network announced it it sounds like they're gonna have six primetime games on friday on fridays to be shown on fox ESPN, FS1, nothing on Big Ten Network for that matter, uh, but it caused a lot of commotion, especially with the WFCA that issued a statement saying they don't support this decision. Uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez sent out a note saying that they are open to hosting games at Camp Randall on the Friday night prior to Labor Day weekend in selected years, 
but they have not committed to hosting Friday night games at any other time. That's verbatim from the statement from the Wisconsin director of athletics. And Joel, for, for those that don't know, Joel is an assistant coach at Brookfield Central who are still in the uh, WIAA playoffs. So congratulations to you, uh, coach. Thank you very uh, much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, but Joel, you know, yeah. What does this mean? What does it mean? You know, and and what I mean, what spot does this? You know, what do you think of this move for them trying to to put Big Ten football now on Friday nights when maybe, I mean, not maybe it should be used for just high school football, uh, but also maybe yeah. you know another conference like Maction or you know the MAC or or the Sun Belt. They're usually used to being in that time slot. Yeah, I think it's really hard to look at a program. And, you know, it's been interesting to follow the chatter coming along from, you know, guys like Jeff Patrikis and and folks like that um, about sort of the impact. And a lot of people will point to, oh, well, basketball does this all the time and things of that nature. Um, You know, one of the unique things about high school sports is that you only get, at least in Madison, at least in Wisconsin, uh, you only get nine guaranteed games. And, you know, that's, that's the basketball season is 20 plus opportunities, um, other sport and with the promise of a guaranteed playoff. So, you know, it's kind of hard when you're digging into nine opportunities and you're going to say for one of that, for a fan base, and, it, and it, it may not turn out to be Wisconsin if coach Alvarez, like he said, you know, was not going to agree to host it. But, you know, I think of the time when, when we played my senior year, that was the night of the Western Michigan, the game that Josh Hunt um, famously returned that punt for a touchdown and, and that we discussed in our book. Again, hashtag cheap plug. But, um, <laughs> you know, we uh, it was there was parents that didn't come to the game or had a really interesting decision to make because obviously being a season ticket holder, and that happens for kids in our area and around the state, that's an awfully big financial commitment you make. Um, you know, to to purchase those tickets, to have an, an endowment to the a donation to the athletic department for all those things. And, and you don't want to miss one of those opportunities. At the same time, you don't want to miss one of your son's opportunities to play on Friday night. And it's likely to assume, oh, I could just sell my tickets. But, again, I think it takes away from the, the, the importance of football on Friday nights and it's sort of being a, you know, sacred time, I guess you'd say. And not that it doesn't happen all over the country, but – I don't understand the Big Ten being as profitable as it is, needing to look into another night to play football. Um, that's more my – I just don't get it. And then the Big Ten is doing just fine for itself on the football end of things. Why they would look into that and say, hey, I think we really need to tap into this market and really sort of disrupt, you know, what what is their fan base to then say, hey, let's play a game here. I just don't – It doesn't. it doesn't work for me on the – the front end of things, and if you think about it, if Camp Randall were to host, you know, Madison East plays with games at Bree Stevens, you know, I mean, you're going to talk about some overlap there, and I just think it would just be, you know, sort of an awful event to try to try to mix the two. So it's not a fan of the, the whole situation that we've come across. Well, and, and Joe, you know, high school sports is a regional thing. Some, some Correct. states, it's bigger. But when you look across the Big Ten, Wisconsin, yep. Illinois, Ohio, yep. Pennsylvania, 
Iowa. Those are huge high school football states. It's not just yeah. affecting, you know, Wisconsin. I mean, no, that's, this is a regional high school football area, the upper Midwest. It, it, that makes it even more puzzling that a conference like the Big Ten just isn't in tune with its fan base and its region. And I think you, you hit it spot on. Is, and much like we talk about the walk-ons, the whole state of Iowa, the whole state of Minnesota, Illinois will get there eventually as, as Lovey Smith turns that around. But these states focus on these programs, you know, and, and I'm not saying, I don't know what I'm saying by this comment, but, you know, at some point there's going to be that choice. It should be with the kids, but at the same time, everyone loves their state where you're going to have parents that are watching the games, but have their headphones on listening to the game of the, you know, the other, the, the bigger team. And it just, to me, it just creates a such conflict of interest. Like I said, it's high school football is so unique. Um, it's not like basketball. It's not like baseball. You know, kids can keep playing these things on and on and on. So you're going to take, you know, a kid that maybe only plays two years of varsity, 18, 18 games, and now you're going to say for maybe two or three of those, your, your home football team is going to be playing. And it's just such a limited opportunity that kids have. I don't know. Now, Coach Alvarez and the rest of the Big Ten, did not go on and say, hey, we're going to only do this, you know, in, in before Labor Day and then after a certain time. But it didn't appear that that was where they were heading. They didn't say, you know, oh, we'll host games only after the state football playoffs or, you know, things like that. Um, and I just think it's hard, you know, to sort of adjust your schedule. You plan on Friday. You plan on Saturday night games. Um, you know, people that travel around the state can make their plans accordingly if they come down from – you know, to rush after school, you're talking a lot of bigger impact. And like you said, these are football states. They value football on Friday nights. They're hometown events. And now there's sort of this choice on, oh, what are you going to do when the Badgers are playing and your hometown football team is playing? So I think it really digs into, you know, the target market, like you said, and then also this kind of pride and joy of the state on Friday nights in the fall. And yeah, we're here with Joe Nellis, uh, co-author of Walk On This Way, Cheap Plug, uh, here on Bucky's yeah, Quarter, <laughs> and uh, obviously an assistant coach at Brookfield Central, who, uh, under the you know the leadership of, of, of Joel and also uh, head coach Jed Kennedy, are facing Brookfield East tomorrow night. It'll be on the Big 920 in Milwaukee. I know I'll be listening on iHeartRadio uh, on the app uh, tomorrow night with bated breath to see how you guys are doing. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I guess you know a lot of guys too. I mean, you know, I yeah, I read a, an article by uh, J.R. Radcliffe talking about uh, why it's not a big deal is in Lake County now, and and some of the points I, I can somewhat understand. He's talking about, um, you know, it's, he says it's barely going to make a ripple on our viewing habits. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, prep games are a captive audience, and you know pre-November games, and and you know the one that I don't understand really is the, the media conflicts don't really apply anymore. I, I I view that as no because you have guys like Ben Wargle and John McNamara, John Veldheis, guys that also work on you know you're looking at you know they're gonna have a conflict of interest possibly if they don't reschedule the games for a Thursday night for high school varsity, uh, trying to cover recruits and and you know it's just I I just don't see the advantages of playing a game uh, on Friday, you know, Friday for the Big Ten. And, and, you know, I mean, we didn't want to make a joke about this, but, you know, we were talking, uh, a few of us on Bucky's fifth quarter yesterday, just is it going to be like Rutgers, Indiana every every Friday night? Is it going to be I – mean, which Indiana is better, but, but like Rutgers and uh, Purdue or, or other teams, like it just – 
yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel high school football should be for, you know, it should be on Friday night and it's been that way. And, uh, you know, I just, and, and recruiting, let's talk recruiting for that matter. Guys not being able to make official visits, uh, on that matter, uh, if, if they need to. So I just, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, why, you know, I understand the, the money talks and you know, it's like the ACDC song, the money talks, but it just, it just doesn't feel right. And the, the one thing I'll add to that, and I, I feel this very fortunate, and I understand the basketball players. It's not a woe is me. I mean, I don't, I don't expect anyone to feel additionally sorry for any of the Big Ten players. I, I don't think the Big Ten players will enjoy it as much because they appreciate where they came from and sort of the, the uniqueness of Friday night. But at the same time, you're also not missing class. You know, I feel very fortunate in the Big Ten. I think there was probably, of the three years I traveled, no more than two games that I ever had to miss class to, for travel accommodations. Um, you know, the Big Ten people, are, it's always pretty close, and you had a certain practice schedule or, or class schedule. And now you're talking, hey, we're going to have to leave Thursday morning to be there, you know, Thursday night and then all day Saturday. I mean, I, I just think it's another another thing where you're saying, hey, and I know what happens at other conferences and places like the MAC where they're looking for their own unique stake in the market, but the Big Ten doesn't have to fight for stake in the market. Big Ten does not need to differentiate. It's one of the best conferences in the, in the country. It's got phenomenal football teams. There's big-name coaches now. Um, there's draws from players. The players are doing more important things, on, not only on the football field, but in the community. And, you know, they're not hurting in any way, shape, or form. The NFL's obviously taking a hit, and college game is only going up to get a more, you know, for what more money you're going to make to sort of, you know, hinder the impact and, um, of the sports at home, like you said, Jig, I, I totally agree. And the, the media impact will be different because a lot of those guys, the high school guys around our area, are fortunate enough to go and cover those those football games for the Badgers. And the recruiting impact is certainly, you know, something. If you're only talking six games a year, yeah, I can see you. But each home game that you play is a valuable recruiting tool. And for the kids in our state, especially the kids that come become walk-ons or whatever the case may be, they're able to be on campus every Saturday morning. You know, and that was a valuable part when I was, you know, having the chance to, to go to those opportunities and, and things of that nature. And there's no way a kid obviously is going to miss a Friday night to go on a recruiting uh, trip or visit. And it's not the same visiting Madison on a Saturday without a football game uh, versus Friday with one. So I don't yeah, see you know, the value. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, I'm just thinking too, like, you know, here's another thing. Michigan already said no. Penn State has said no. Ohio, they're not going to cater to Ohio State. So, I mean, if they're going to do it across, and I, here's the thing, I can see why they wouldn't because Penn State, Happy Valley shuts down because it's in the middle of nowhere, and for two to three days, yep. people camp out there. You know, Ohio mm-hmm. State, how big is that horseshoe? Michigan, yeah. big house, 100,000 people. I can understand why they wouldn't do it, but then, then, then why do it? Uh, it, it, you know, right. and, and I know you're trying to get some other programs' attention on that end, but you mentioned it. You know, just it just – you're taking away from student athletes, but you're also taking away, uh, you're trying to make high school kids choose between, uh, you know, going to, you know, playing their game and then, uh, or, or making it an official, which that may be the only weekend they have, who knows? And so, yeah, Yeah. it's just, why not across? And you understand the reasons why, because of the, the density of the population and how many, where the fan base comes from. But, you know, on that point too, with Wisconsin, Let's talk about it. Downtown Madison's a zoo. Now, there's 80,000-plus people in Camp Randall, right? 
And you have, you know, try, I, I, in Madison's nowhere near Milwaukee when it comes to rush hour traffic. I admit that. But try being downtown for game day, but then also rush hour on a Friday for a 7 o'clock, 7.30 tilt. I just, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're on a damn isthmus, man. You're on an isthmus. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's a pain in the butt on the belt line. So that's where I get, I kind of draw the line on that, where it's just like, I just don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Well, even worse, think about if Northwestern or some of those folks are going to be on the tilt, right? Can you imagine a Northwest, a home Northwestern game on a Friday night at seven o'clock? You got to, or, or, or let's say Minneapolis. Hey, let's go Minneapolis at seven on, on a Friday night. That sounds like a really bright idea as people leave. I mean, that's a phenomenal business area. You know, there's not like, there's not uh, only a couple thousand people there. It's a major metropolis with huge amounts of traffic. You said throw in a game day atmosphere forget it you know it's uh it's going to be a nightmare so yeah I, I i get why they you know sat in their rooms and decided what they decided but um i think it they clearly no, i think they did understand the repercussions it, it, to me it's almost like trying to bully their way into a market that you know they really didn't have any business being in because they're all loved and respected and watched um regardless and, the, and the, they're, they'll get their recognition the Rutgers, the maryland's everyone else is you know, they're still putting together good football, and they'll they'll continue to grow. They have the right people at the head, and uh, they just got to keep staying the course, and they'll still be, you know, a good viable product, and people will still want to watch it. And yeah, you know, I mean, they should have stayed away from Friday nights, but you know, that's why they get paid the big bucks, I guess. So. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. What? But yeah, but I know that? you got to probably get going, right? You got. I know we left. Yes, you, yes. We said five, ten minutes, and we've gone twenty. So. Uh, hey, it's on okay. That, uh, uh, on that note, do a quick, quick, quick plug for the book, and uh, we'll get you on your way, my friend. All right. Yeah. Listen, I, you know, I really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, you know, the book, like I said, has been, you know, Jake and I, we've really put a lot of time and effort into it. It's a phenomenal product. Uh, the stories that are told in there are really, you know, as, as close to the heart of Badger football as you're going to find, and uh, we really hope people get a chance to, you know, more than books sold. Um, we really care about the stories that are told and the players that have had an impact on the program that maybe not everyone has heard about recently or remembers, um, but they sort of have transformed Badger football to what it is today. And uh, we hope you guys take a look at it. So uh, thanks again for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, go Lancers. Excellent. Thanks, Joel. That's Joel Nellis, assistant coach for the Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin Badgers, Brookfield Central Lancers as they take on Brookfield East tomorrow night. Uh, catch them on the big nine twenty uh, in Milwaukee. And, uh, but yeah, Scotty, uh, should we uh, transition over to the Packers then, my friend? Yeah, 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 of course. But, yeah, um, you know, disappointing loss against Atlanta, especially since they were up uh, for a period of time during the game or at least fought tooth and nail with the Falcons. Uh, drop it by one. Uh, you know, and what what do you gather from that game, by the way, where it, obviously the offense came alive. They did their version of what I call the oop-de-oop offense from – uh, varsity blues where you have five, four or five wides and, and you're going to town. Uh, just, you know, I mean, the offense, obviously they, honestly, man, I, you know, they, they looked well, well oiled, especially with the fact that they didn't have Randall Cobb or Ty Montgomery, uh, which Ty Montgomery sickles, uh, from what I've heard sickles, the reports are saying sickle cell trait came up uh, late there, but the offense, yeah. and they, they utilize some young players. You got to love that. Yeah, yeah, they lost, and 
I understand. You know, you want to know what disappointing is. Wasn't that they lost? Because the reason the offense clicked wasn't because they used young players. It's because Aaron Rodgers actually moved out of the pocket and ran upfield, not just moved in the pocket. And I don't want him to be a running quarterback a la um, Michael Vick, but this, this offense is more effective when he runs five or six times and gets the linebackers and safeties to actually fear that he may leave the pocket. That said, I'm disappointed in the amount of injuries again this year. Three cornerbacks out. Your tight end still out. Your top two running backs out. Montgomery out. Cobb out. Um, this team, I'm, and I don't get it. But anyway, I, I thought with as shorthanded as they were, that was the best case scenario you could have expected. And, you know, I'm done. I've been done with it for years. I am so sick of the crap that I have to listen to about how Aaron Rodgers can't win in the last two minutes. Because I can go back, and I'll be prepared. If you want to talk about it next week, I will. I'll go back to his rookie year and tell you how many times he got the team a touchdown with less than two minutes to go, only for the defense to give it up, give the ball back to Rodgers with 30 seconds to go. Sunday, 30 seconds to go, his best receiver on the sideline with a hand injury. He doesn't pull a miracle out of his rear end. They go, oh, look, he can't bring him back. He can't bring him back. I am so sick of that narrative. It makes me want to vomit. So anyway, um, that said, I thought that was the best-case scenario. They played almost as perfect of a game offensively. Yeah, they gave up some big plays defensively. I'm going to say it one more time. Their top three cornerbacks are out. You have, and you have Matt Ryan, a quarterback for Atlanta, who is one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league. They took advantage of that. If you're a Packer fan, you, you better hope, amongst hope, that players start coming back and they stop losing starters because if they get these guys back, they're still a team that I think can go deep in the playoffs. So anyway, that's that. Um, it, it was nice to see the Packers, though, you know, have a shot to to win that game. Now Davis ends up getting cut, which I thought was interesting. Uh, boy, he literally had a cup of coffee here in Green Bay. Um, <laughs> but now they get ready for the Colts, another good quarterback, uh, but a, t- a game they should win at home. Yeah, and they sh- yeah, and it's I mean, you can get back on track. And, and the good thing about it, we mentioned it a little bit talking with Adam Hogue, the fact that the twenty to ten victory by the Bears helps out the Packers immensely uh, in that division race. With the the you know the the Packers what four and three, uh, and the Vikings now with two losses on the year. Uh, so that helps out. Uh, and you know, keys to the game, in your opinion, is it just I mean, is it just me just saying stay healthy and, and then just, uh, you know, move the ball the same way, just do what you did last week, passing the ball and, and do better? I mean, I mean there's also, you're also dealing with the fact that, you know, you, you have cornerbacks that are still aren't healthy uh, and you're dealing with just, you know, with concussion protocols, Sam Shields isn't back, yeah. uh, you know, Rollins is what, concussion protocol, you know, he's coming back, but Goodson's got a concussion. Uh, it just, uh, is it just trying to stay healthy and yeah. not lose a limb out there? They need to, the offense needs to play as well as it did Sunday. Defense needs to force some turnovers. I think they can do that. Luck, as good as he is, and I like Andrew Luck, will turn the ball over. If, if So be in the right place at the right time. I think that's really the key to this game. And 
I think it'll be points scored on both sides. I think the Packers just outscore them, uh, the Colts, and they win a, a relatively high-scoring game. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it should be fun. Uh, anything else? Uh, I mean, we're we're past the hour mark. Anything else you want to do? Any quick hitters, or should we just go t- straight to our predictions? I mean, if you want to do predictions, I mean, we can go there. I mean, I think the Packers. You know, I'll start with the Packers. I mean, they're. I think they win. You know, thirty-one to twenty-eight. Thirty-one. Yeah, uh, I'll go Packers. I'll say thirty-five, thirty-one. Uh, Badgers Northwestern. I know you said that you think Northwestern's going to win. I know a few people feel that way. I'm going to go 23-21 Wisconsin. I just there's a feeling with this team, despite the loss of Sitchi uh, to season-ending uh, pectoral injury uh, that they're referring to as a shoulder now. Uh, Chris Orr with that knee injury, uh, Gaglianoni out. Uh, and I know that special teams may play huge here. I think Endicott, uh, you know, despite that those rough, the rough outing against Nebraska, I think. You know he'll rebound. I'm just gonna say it's 23-21. I think they come back and they, uh, I think they they exercise those demons in Evanston. I, I think they can control that run game, that Northwestern run game, especially as Adam had mentioned. And uh, you'll see at our Q and A this week with Inside NU's uh, Zach Perellis, uh Look at the fact that uh, hopefully I pronounced that right. Yep, Zach Perellis, That uh, he, you know, you look at the fact that uh, that offensive line's still a little iffy. If Wisconsin can stop that run. And, and that's like I think that's a huge key. They stopped that run. Ryan Conley talked about it earlier this week when I spoke with him. You make them one-dimensional, and, and I think Wisconsin will have success if they don't stop that run. That's where that multi-dimensional facet that Northwestern has can really bite you. Uh, but I, I think Wisconsin's just disciplined enough, and that next man up mentality is cliched, but it's absolutely true from covering this team. Um, I think 23-21. Uh, and Wisconsin takes it, and uh, they continue their pursuit uh, for the Big Ten West title. 2016 Northwestern, um, and one last point about the kicking game. So last week, that missed extra point, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be right. I hope I'm not right. I hope that that, that, uh, Endicott doesn't cost him a game. I I feared he was going to. Thankfully, he didn't. But uh, um, I'm saying 2016 Northwestern. I think Wisconsin's defense – you know what? I think the Wisconsin defense plays well. I think one of Northwestern's touchdowns is a defensive touchdown. I wouldn't put it past it. That's a great call out. I, the fact that if you, you don't have two quarterbacks that had two terrible throws and uh, and really bad throws uh, for that matter, you're looking at the fact that they need to um, they need to step up their game huge and uh, they have to, uh, especially you know it's going to be a tough environment. Uh, we refer to it as the Bermuda Triangle Void of Prosperity uh, on the website earlier this week, and it really has been. So, uh, you know, and, and Chris, uh, you know, Paul Chris mentioned lat- earlier this week, it's all between what's in, what's, you know, in between the hashes, what's in between the, the sidelines uh, that counts, and we'll see if they can, uh, they can make it happen down in Evanston. I won't be down there. We'll be back covering the game in the press boxes uh, starting uh, against Illinois. On that fact, uh, last quick hitters. Anything that comes up on your end? Um, no, nothing. I mean, we're we're up against the clock anyway, so I think uh, I think we've covered it all. Sounds good, uh, guys. We uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Joel Nellis, assistant coach at Brookfield Central. Big thanks to him. Uh, and make sure you guys listen to the Lancers taking on Brookfield East uh, Big Nine Twenty iHeart Radio, the iHeart uh, app. 
make sure you guys listen in. I know I'll be checking that game out uh, and uh, hoping my uh, seeing what my co-author does there. Uh, you're also talking with uh, big thanks to Adam Hogue from WGN, Chicago Bears insider, Northwestern sideline reporter, B5Q founder. Great having him on the show again. Honestly, it's uh, it's always great having him back on the show uh, and talking with them. And another great show, brother. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll come back next week. We're going to talk a lot going on. Uh, Badgers, Illinois. We'll recap what happened in Evanston against the Wildcats. Uh, talk Packers, uh, Titans which is the week after uh, we'll also hopefully announce some more book signings for walk on this way. Uh, we are still working out some final details and some timing issues. Uh, and we'll let you guys know more about that. Make sure you guys check it out. KCI sports.com. Uh, you guys can also find it at Bucky's locker room, university bookstores here in Madison, hopefully Barnes and Noble soon. Uh, if it's not already there, uh, if you guys need to go to amazon.com as well. So uh, for the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jay Kokorowski, Dozovachenia, my friends. We hope to see you next week on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Record. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.